0: But how did that happen? Well, verse 1 of Genesis 3 says, Now the serpent. Let me give you a real quick uh, study of Satan. He's introduced in Genesis 3. He's unmasked in Revelation 12. It says, Now the serpent of old, the adversary, is Satan, the dragon. So what we find is, if we compare Genesis 3 with Revelation 12, that the serpent in the garden was Satan. How do you get in the garden? To answer that, let's turn to the middle of our Bibles, to Ezekiel 28. I want to give you a real quick biographical portrait of Satan. If you go to the middle, you should hit Psalms. Go to the right, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, chapter 28. And you should mark this because you'll hear all your life, people say, in fact, recently, uh, the news magazines covered, do you believe in Satan and hell and all that stuff? And people aren't sure where it came from. Well, Ezekiel 28 tells us where it came from. And also Isaiah 14, we'll see in a minute. Look at Ezekiel 28, verse 11. This is the fall of Satan. By the way, many parts of scripture have a, a two, two-fold view. Uh, Primarily in view here is the king of Tyre. That was a little island off the coast of Israel, a Phoenician city. But behind him was the real king of Tyre, the head of all the nations of the world, the God of this world. And that's who Ezekiel's looking at. Let me show you what I mean. Start in verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. Now, This message alternates between the king, literally, this man that lived on that island, and the invisible, towering over him, God of this world, Satan. Verse 12 in the middle. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Do you really think that king was that good looking? I don't. He's talking now about satan look at verse 13 you were in eden the garden of god do you think the king of tyre had ever been in the garden of eden i doubt it it was destroyed in the flood uh every precious stone was your covering and then it names them sardis topaz diamond barrel onyx jasper sapphire turquoise and emerald with gold by the way there are nine stones mentioned and they are quite similar to the 12 that were on the breastplate of the high priest but are dissimilar and that's part of satan's uh, he is so much like the things of god but just bent enough to be deadly because he's a false worker but look at this this is fascinating the end of 13 this is a little warning for us today the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created you know what that tells us satan was the worship leader of heaven did you know that he's involved with music you, know, you always hear people say, Oh, music is ah morals. The words that matter. You know, the music can't oh, oh, wait a minute. Satan's realm is music. And if Satan can corrupt music, he can reach the whole world. Did you know, just this year, I mean we've been we were, you know, at dance, we were in the Holy Land and all that. Did you know that all over the world two things of America have pervaded Coke and our music? I mean they're sitting drinking Diet Coke and listening to our music. Be very careful about music. Music is the realm that Satan seeks to counterfeit in. And music is not neutral. It's a force, either for good or evil. Look at verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Now, we know about seraphim and cherubim. There are four cherubs that that are always looking at God. Remember, covered with eyes, chapter 4. You know that from Revelation. We covered that in the Revelation series. But he was a different breed of cherub. It says that he was, see what it says, the anointed. By the way, anointed, that word, if you could read it in Hebrew, is Mashiach, Messiah. You were the anointed, you were the, the select, the very special cherub. He was the one and only cherub who covers. What was he doing? Well, if it, if it appears, if, if we can describe this, it seems like he was behind and a little bit, uh, kind of reflecting back on God he was behind his throne and as God's glory emanated he reflected it back on him and kind of led all the universe in praising and worshiping God he was the covering kind of like the canopy uh, behind a king's throne he was kind of like up behind there being the covering reflecting cherub I established you verse 14 God says "I, I put you there you were on the holy mountain of God You walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. What's all that? Well, do you remember Daniel 9 when we covered that? That it says the throne of God is here and issuing out of the throne of God is a river of liquid fire. There's just a liquid river of fire flowing out from his thrones. And so if you put it together, there seem to be stones in that river. And it says, look at that, that you walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones, walking in this river of fire in front of god satan walked back and forth and then would cover and reflect god and it says you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created verse 15 till iniquity was found in you can't be the king of tyre he was not perfect no one is perfect uh, that's ever been born on this planet Adam was created perfectly and Eve was created from him and Jesus Christ with no human father was perfect but no human that's ever been born of natural descent was perfect can't be the king of Tyre it has to be Satan and iniquity was found in him Uh, halfway down through verse 16 out of the mountain of god i destroyed you O covering cherub from the midst of the fiery stones why verse 17 your heart was lifted up because of your beauty you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor what he was was he started believing the press reports he started enjoying all this glory coming up and it started intoxicating him he started breathing it in and instead of reflecting it he began to absorb it do you know what humility is when people say something wonderful to you you don't catch it like a fly ball and go you're right oh boy yeah oh i am you know you reflect it back and give it back to the lord say what have i that i have not received why why do i glory as if i didn't receive it you see we're not sponges we're supposed to be mirrors reflecting glory back to god satan left being a mirror and he became a sponge and he started loving it and it's pride well what happened back up to isaiah 14 to finish the story Isaiah chapter 14 rounds out the story of the fall of Lucifer, and Isaiah 14 tells us, starting in verse 12 that to understand the the titanic, catastrophic fall of man and woman, we have to see that in God's perfection, he had made this, this anointed cherub, Satan, who prior to his fall had an exalted position in the presence of God. The brilliance of heaven was his surrounding. He was called the anointed covering cherub. He enjoyed the position of highest honor in front of God. And Isaiah calls him, look at verse 12, of Isaiah 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. He's called the son of the dawn, the morning star in the NIV, King James. Lucifer, the star of the morning. He was, he was the bright and glowing one. The most beautiful and glorious of all of God's created beings. And after he fell and became God's chief adversary. By the way, the Hebrew word for adversary is satan adversary he became god's adversary satan we call him he was never again called by the honorable titles son of morning morning star lucifer son of the dawn but in his pre-fall in chapter 14 of isaiah verse 12 he was filled with wisdom filled with beauty he was blameless the scriptures tell us but his fall is described here in isaiah because of his pride. And let's read about that. Keep keep reading uh, verse thirteen. This contains the five downward damnable steps Satan took. For you have said in your heart, Isaiah fourteen, thirteen, Number one, I will ascend into heaven. He was acting independent of God. What was he supposed to do? He's supposed to walk around in front of God and, and reflect his glory back and, and put the spotlight on God and he says, no, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up there myself. I'm going to do my own thing. So this, this independent spirit, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He was supposed to be God's servant leading the worship. And he says, I'm going to be over all the angels. So he asserted himself. He's going to take over. Self-assertion, independence. Kind of sounds like a leadership course, doesn't it? In America. Where do you think they got it from? Look at the third part of verse 13. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. Here's another little facet. Did you know in God's temple, in God's tabernacle, there are no chairs? Who's the only one that gets to sit down? God. Everybody else is ceaselessly worshiping him. What does Lucifer say? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to soak it in, man. I'm going to have everybody looking at me. You see, the independence, the self-assertion, And this lust for being pleased. And then he says, on the farthest sides of the north, I will send above the heights of the clouds. He says, I'm going to be the big cheese. But here, the last part of verse 14 is one of the most profound proofs of inspiration I've ever found in the Bible. If if a a mere mortal wrote this book, you know what the end of verse 14 would say? I will be greater than the Most High. You know what the proof of inspiration is? Lucifer... Created being knew he was created being, knew he was created by God and knew that nothing created could ever be greater than the creator. So what did he say? I don't want to be greater than God. That's impossible. I will be like the most high. I'm going to get his place. You know what the temptation is for us? Most of us will never, you know, worship Buddha over God. But you know what we will do? We'll put something else on the same level as God. Our job, our career, pleasures, family, wife, husband, children, whatever, money. We'll put it equal with God. And that's all Satan said is, I'm going to just move my stuff up on God's shelf. And what did God do? Well, God threw him down. You know, it's difficult for our finite minds to understand how a perfect being in a perfect environment could fall into sin. Ezekiel and Isaiah describe Lucifer's motivation. Ezekiel says your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Isaiah 14 says that you said, I will, I will, I will. But the net effect is that he fell. And the first sin was pride. And every sin after that has been in some way merely an extension of that pride let me close with you in james okay james uh the go to the right new testament it's uh the little epistle of james hebrews james first second peter first second third john jude revelation so back up about seven books from revelation from the end in chapter four pride led the angel lucifer to exalt himself above his creator because he was formerly the bright star of the morning and continually was exerting and and asserting himself, saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. He opposed God's will, and God cast him out of heaven. Because he said, I am a God, the Lord cast him from the mountain of God. And the original sin of Adam and Eve was pride, because they trusted their own way, plans, and understanding over God's. And so, pride is the supreme temptation Satan offers us pride will be at the heart of his evil nature and so he makes it sure it's at the heart of our temptations we are always in a battle with pride until we get into the lord's presence and the only protection against pride and our only source of humility is having a proper view of god and pride is the sin of competing with god and humility is submitting to god in pride, we compete. You say, I can run my life. I can make my own plans. I can do my own thing. I don't need you. i got enough money. I don't need to trust you. I mean, we the a billion varieties of pride. Designer lust, as Jim Berg calls it. God says, I want you to submit every part of your life to me. How do we do that? Look at chapter 4 of James, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. What will that do? It will resist the devil. And what will happen? He'll flee from us. We must resist Him, starting by a submission to God. The result, He'll flee from us. Look at verse 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. We must consciously choose to not catch all those fly balls of praise coming toward us. Say, yep, yep, oh man, you're, oh yeah, that's, oh, you've got me. We need to reflect the glory back to God. In fact, Paul said in Colossians 3, clothe yourself with humility. I see all of your beautiful church clothes you all are wearing today. You picked them out. You thought about it and you put them on. Did you just as consciously choose to clothe yourself with humility and say, I will not sponge up your glory, God? I'll reflect it back. You've got to live it out this week. So let's bow and ask the Lord's blessing.